Life Audio. Hey there, friend. Heather Creekmore here. I'm glad you're listening to the Compared to Who show today. Today I'm talking to one of my favorite authors. Isn't that interesting to say? <laughs> um, but I had the privilege of interviewing Ed Welch, who's written many books, but one of the books that he wrote has just had a profound impact on the way I really tackled body image issues way back in the beginning before I wrote my book, Compared to Who. This was a book I read that profoundly impacted me. In fact, I quote it in Compared to Who. And it's called When People Are Big and God is Small. And some of you just from that title are like, oh yeah, I need that book. <laughs> well, today, Ed is going to talk to us about some of the principles and concepts in that book and, and other concepts around Biblical counseling. Now, I've got to say, I have benefited greatly from biblical counseling. It has changed my life. And so, if you're like at the point where you're like, yeah, I kind of probably should talk to someone, I don't know what the difference is between biblical counseling and, you know, the psychiatrist that takes my insurance, this episode is for you. But even if that's not where you're at, oh, friends, our conversation goes to so many interesting places just around these desires that we all have in our hearts, these tendencies that we all have to worship created things instead of the creator. So I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Hey, are you looking for more help in the body image arena? Our 40-day reading challenge just began this week. So it's really not too late. If you want to jump in, just shoot me an email, heather at compareto.me, and I think we could get you in. We're going all through Lent February 14th was the beginning of Lent, but it lasts through March. So if you're new to the show or you're just catching up on your episodes and you want in on that Lent challenge, drop me a message. I can give you all the info you need to join us for reading the 40-day body image workbook all through the 40 days of Lent. Now, let's get to today's episode. Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compared to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Ed Welch, thank you so much for being on the Compared to Who show today. Heather, I couldn't imagine anything I would want to talk about more, so I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. Well, you have written a number of books all around topics that probably every listener of the show would be interested in or would just apply perfectly to her. I want to start, though, with my favorite, which is when people are big and God is small. And Ed, you've got to know, like, this book changed things for me. It had a powerful impact on my life. I quoted it in my first book, Compared to Who, and I've had more people reach out to me and say, that was just mind-blowing. And I'm always like, no, no, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Read the footnote on that. That's from this book. So I've recommended your book to a number of people. But I think that the topic or really the, the quote that I used from you was something along the lines of just exposing this reality that self-hatred or self-loathing is not the opposite 
of self-love, <laughs> that they're kind of both the same, two sides of the same coin. Can you talk to me about that? Like, I, I'd love to get it. I hate to say this straight from the horse's mouth, <laughs> <It's not offensive. laughs> but, but I, I want to get it straight from you. Well, the, I should say that Heather, you're probably beyond me and dealing with the issue. So, so I am the horse on this one, but <laughs> I'm still learning and still growing. I, I understand the struggle and I can see it in myself, but that doesn't mean I have mastered it by any means. The, I'll, I'll go after the, the question, self-hatred and, and, and self-love just a little bit differently. One of the things you're identifying is the scripture always takes us by surprise. You know, when we're using it well, it's just not what we were expecting, but it's better than we were expecting. So that's, that's the critical point. If it doesn't sound better, then, then we're not representing it accurately. This is, this is the, we're talking about the mysteries of the universe being revealed in Christ and through Christ. And it's called the gospel and everything related to the gospel. So it should sound really good. Uh, so, so for me, the, the, the over-concern about myself that can, can moves into comparisons. I'm, Hey, I can do this. I can do this. I am, I'm at the point in my life now where I'm willing to settle for a B plus. Uh, it doesn't have to be an A anymore. If I can just be a B plus, it still puts me ahead of the curve. Um, so I, I feel like that's not looking for that much, but, but I guess that, that question Lord, why am I so concerned about me? Why am I so concerned about me? Whether it's self-love or self-hatred, it's it's like, I, how can I spend less time thinking about this? Uh, grant me something bigger that that can capture my attention. So that's that's, and I think that's one way through that particular dilemma of self-love and 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 self-hatred it's still it still seems so sort of wrapped up in ourselves and and part of the freedom for which christ sets us free is is we are freed more outward to to know and enjoy him to to know and enjoy other people without it always being self-referential so and I've, i've i don't know when i wrote the book but i've been thinking about these things for decades um and which means that I hope this isn't discouraging to people. I still struggle with it, but it's a slightly different struggle. Uh, when I see it and, and uh, when do I see it? Mm. Uh, I've written some books and I'm sort of accustomed to people critiquing them. Um, but there are certain kinds of critiques that somehow get me. Um, and I alternately move into judge mode, you know, I, if they only knew and who were, who are they? So I move into that. Then I, then I, I think my final descent is to, uh, woe is me. I should, it used to be, I should, I should flip hamburgers in the back of a, a, a greasy spoon somewhere where I won't be talking to anybody. I won't mess anybody's life up and nobody will critique me. And most people can flip hamburgers. Um, that's usually where it descends. Um, and but 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 here's here's that's but that's no longer the last word. The last word tends to be me just sort of smiling and saying, "Lord, yeah, there it is again. <laughs> there it is yeah. again." And what a fine reminder that 
that in this life, we will never finally reach this pinnacle where I am done with that particular struggle. And now I can move on to other things. It is God's will that we know our neediness before him consistently. And I'm beginning to like that. So. Yeah, I love that. I mean, what do you, what do you think that is, Ed? Like, why, why do we jump from, well, especially, you know, in the case of those of us who are more, you know, approval sensitive or approval addicted, whichever, whichever term you want to put to it. Like why, why do we jump to despair, right? Why do we jump to, I should just give up and, and go flip hamburgers. Like what, what is that in us? I, I, uh, here, here's just one way to, there, well, there's two ways to think about it that, that I've found to be useful. One is, uh, Galatians, let's say Galatians and Romans tends to specialize in in sort of this new feature of how we can use the law in the way it wasn't intended to be. Um, legalism works righteousness. Um, and then Paul, I think it's in Galatians 4, he has this wonderful question. Tell me, you who want to live under the law, tell me, you who want to live under the law. It's fascinating. What, me? Are you talking to me? Uh, and And it seems like what we find in the New Testament is, we had that's our instinct. Our instinct is to live under the law. Where do we? How do we find that? Well, that's the way the entire world lives. It's it's by my own reputation. It's by my own resume. It's by it's by the opinion. The sort of the the accumulation of, of the opinions of people around me. It's it's how I project myself. It's the masks that I wear. That's. That's what it means to be a human being. That's that's the way that, that's the way all human beings live, and it's our instinct. Um, and and the Lord comes along, and uh, and says, "No, it's a very different life. It's it's not so much what you've earned. Uh, if it's what you've earned, assume that there is a ton of pride in your life, as if you can stand on something of your own making." as if everything you have that's good is not a gift from God. Uh, the Christian life is, it's, it's not about earning. It's about having the life of Christ given us and, and righteousness is given. It's ascribed rather than, rather than earned. So that's, I, I, I found some hope in that. And, and hope there is not, oh, I'm finally done with it. Hope is, there is more that God says in this, and I'm not giving up. I'm not going to give up on it. I guess the other the other way I think in Scripture these days is 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 Scripture has that distinction between where is your hope? It's either in your Creator and your Rescuer, or it's in created things. And and among those created things, what is my favorite place to put my hope? Um, well, that's pretty straightforward. It's in my wife. Um, it, it's, which, uh, it's, it's, um, what will I do if she's not here? Um, uh, when sometimes it can be, and if she doesn't like me, if the, the worst thing in the world is, is if, um, is if somehow I disappoint her, uh, the, the, the crushing sense I, I haven't measured up. So, so my desire, what's my desire in life? Uh, I tell her this fairly consistently. I want to love Jesus 
more than I love what I can receive from you. Mm. <laughs> I want to love Jesus above all else, Christ alone, Christ alone, Christ alone. Um, so that's, again, it, it's never a battle that is finally successfully won, but it is, but to know where the battle lay and to know, okay, okay, here it is again, Lord, I want, I want you alone, you to be bigger than all other things, which doesn't mean I care less about the things in the world. I care less about my wife. It's, it's not sort of that, that zero sum game where I had to love Jesus more, which means I had to love my wife less. It's, it's no, I, I want I want to know and to enjoy Jesus above all else. That's that's what I aspire to. And then you can see the conversations we have in light of that. It's not, woe is me, I'm never going to change. It's sometimes the best thing we can do for our hearts is, what are you learning about Jesus this week that has been like sort of thrilling to your soul? <laughs> and if the answer is, you know, that's a good question. I'd, I have nothing to give you. Then what a great thing to pray together. Let's pray as we're into scripture as we're hearing sermons, hearing podcasts, whatever it might be, that there would be one thing about Jesus that all it just—it's like this this life that goes right into us and yeah. and through us, and and curiously, who would have thought that that would be a treatment for for the constant comparisons that we have in life? Excuse me for going on and on in this Heather, yeah. but um, but yeah, obviously I, I think about these things and I enjoy thinking about them. And I can think about them with a smile on my face <laughs> rather than mere discouragement these days. Great. Oh, I'm soaking it all in. I appreciate it. That's a great answer. Loved it. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So uh, your answer comes from personal reflection, obviously, but also years of biblical counseling, right? And that's probably played an important role. And as you've talked to many people, probably watched many people you know, suffer with a variety of many different things. And you know, I just, I'd love to just kind of lay it out there. Like what is biblical counseling? What is the difference perhaps between biblical counseling and finding a counselor or a therapist that takes my insurance? <laughs> like, yep. like what, what's the benefit there? And, and I'll, I'll just kind of preface this with, I've shared on the show many times that my husband and I were tricked into biblical counseling. It, wasn't really quite that sinister, <laughs> but he was in his last year at Dallas Theological Seminary. And we, we went to a program where it was helping ministry, you know, future pastors and their wives just get some help. 
be prepared for ministry. And part of it was these five hours with a biblical counselor. And I was so excited because my husband needed help <laughs> for his, all his brokenness. And so we are finally going to get him that help. Good, good. And, I, and then I was shocked as the biblical counselor kept asking me questions and looking at me. I'm like, That's unfair. That should yeah, never be. Seriously was, but it, it changed our lives. I would not be doing what I'm doing today. Mm. Had I not, I mean, that led to 10 years in biblical counseling. So it wasn't just those five hours. So can you just share a little bit about your heart for biblical counseling and, you know, why that's important? Mm. Uh, when I think of biblical counseling, I think about it with a little B and a little C. Okay. Uh, in other words, it's not my brand or somebody's brand of counseling. It's more like a Wikipedia article where Wikipedia articles, they don't have any author. It's, you just, you know, there's a curator who makes sure nobody's, you know, saying silly things, but it is, it is something we are all doing together. And, and what is it we're doing together in this world? You will have trouble in, and, and the older we get part of maturity is, is we are struck by how every hour of our day has trouble in it every single hour. And it does for our neighbors and it does for the other people who sit in church with us. Um, uh, now, the question is, how can, can scripture, how can the words of God to us, how can they speak to those troubles in a way that his words go deeper than anything we could imagine? But also the words, they go, they go more broadly. They speak to things that we didn't anticipate. Well, for example... People talk about trauma right now. And one of the questions is, does scripture even speak about trauma? Because you, no matter what translation you find, you're not going to find that particular word in it. And oftentimes we think, well, if the, script, if the word's not in scripture, then scripture doesn't talk about it. We need to go somewhere else. Uh, and and the, the list is endless. Any psychiatric struggle right now, uh, bipolar, depression, the word depression doesn't show up in scripture. Uh, panic attacks don't show up in scripture, on and on and on. The challenge in biblical counseling is, is here are the issues of life. We know, we know that God cares and we know that he speaks life to us and, and he is an ever present help in time of trouble. We know that. What does he say that goes deep and it reaches to places we never anticipated that it would reach. So that's, that's our agenda together. That's, that's every Christian's agenda. How can we reach to places where scripture hasn't reached? And, and um, what does that mean? It means that we don't have all the answers in ourselves. We, but we're this big body of Christ where we all learn together. And, and so we learn from each other. So, so there are expertise and experiences you have. So I can talk to you about those things and, and the, the way you have seen scripture speak to your own life and to other women's life. So what am I saying? I'm saying biblical counseling. Don't think about it as some super duper system. It is, it is bringing the words of God to life in such a way that they sound really, really good. And they, they are satisfying. Mm -hmm. They, they, they give us hope. Oh, he speaks. And there is this path ahead of us. Let me, let me say just a little bit more. Uh, the, what is biblical counseling for people who are overwhelmed with the comparisons of life and, and overwhelmed with issues of approval? Um, it, biblical counseling, it, it oftentimes, it, 
the person who does it will have experience and experience is a good thing. Uh, uh, That's part of wisdom. Uh, Yet at the same time, the Lord is pleased to have us change through really very simple means. When we think of the turning points in our lives, it's usually one person who might not have had a whole lot of expertise who said something that they didn't think was important at all, and it's stuck into our hearts. And it usually has something to do with, did you know Jesus loves you more than you thought? Or did you know that that he never turns away anyone who comes to him? Uh, or did you know that he is the one who's familiar with shame, and he seeks out people who are familiar with shame, uh, and he has an affinity with them, and he says words that you wouldn't believe? It's those kinds of things that that we find are helpful. So when I think of so, uh, someone talking to someone where approval is just, is just um, overwhelming to them, this might seem like a way too simple. Um, please talk, please put the, the things that you feel, feelings and emotions in God's house, they're intended to be put into speech. It's hard to put them into speech. It's hard to put them into words because sometimes there are just these bodily feelings almost that overwhelm us. But in God's house, he, he prizes us wrestling. What are the things in your heart? Put words on them. I, excuse me for going on, but I'll just say one more thing and... But by, by the way, Heather, just interrupt me when I'm when I'm going on for too long. It's, okay? it's all good. I, all right. Okay. No, I just no reason to, make, to interrupt. I want you to make feel feel free to interrupt. Um, but I guess I'm identifying a couple of things that have been important to me. The Psalms are great. Everybody loves the Psalms. But but what's what's elegant about the Psalms is there is a, an implicit preface to every single Psalm. Psalms are intensely personal, and the preface is the Lord says. What is important on your soul right now? It's another, perhaps another way of saying, well, how do you feel right now? Mm-hmm. How do you feel is, is, is the same thing as saying, what is especially important to you right now? Mm-hmm. What are your joys? What are your delights? What are your hopes? What are your ambitions? What are your fears? That's the question behind so many of the Psalms. So many of them, they, they talk about our fears. Where, where are the places where you feel utterly alone and abandoned? Even by even by the Lord Himself, mm-hmm. the Lord prizes in His house. He, he He's beginning the Psalms by saying, "Tell me what is on your heart," mm-hmm. and and sometimes I find that in biblical counseling, an opportunity for a person to find words mm-hmm. to speak of what's on their heart is is such an important process, because as you begin to find words. It's hard, to, it's hard to get into scripture and hear what God says if we don't have words for the things we're struggling with. Mm. Um, so we find those words and then together, now, okay. What are, the, what, are, what, what are important in those words? What's the center of those words? Now, what does God say that's surprising to us in the midst of them? Yeah, yeah, that's really good. I'm thinking about this reality. You know, so I work with women one-on-one as a coach, but it, it's really more discipleship is probably the, the better word for it. But, you know, as I, as I talk to women, I, there's this struggle. I mean, these are Christian women, a lot of whom were like me raised in the church, you know, they, they know scripture, but there's this struggle of, if I have feelings 
that aren't necessarily, let me say positive, <laughs> right? Then I'm supposed to fight those feelings, just fight, 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 like battle, like, you know, take those thoughts captive, right? Like press them down, press them down, press them down, be happy, be good, be joyful, you know, be all the things that the Bible tells me to be, right? Press them down, press those bad things down. And I think the concept that at least, you know, fill this in if I'm missing it somewhere, but this concept that there's just like this beautiful kind of release or freeing or just like a healthy processing that comes just through being able to talk about it and acknowledge those feelings in a, in a safe space. I mean, is that well, on track there? I, I think something is ordinary or as common as fear and anxiety would be an example of what you're speaking of where Okay, you're you're riddled with fears and anxiety and panic and panic attacks. And and then scripture comes along and says, Do not fear. Do not fear. Right. Don't be yeah. anxious. Well, what does that mean? It means you oh yeah, yeah, you have to either deny your anxiety before you can come to Christ, or you're gonna to have to come to Christ. Uh, 10 years down the road because you're not gonna be rid of your anxieties and your fears until then. So that would be that would be one very practical reason, or or even a it seems to be a right reason for a person to to try to ignore or squash the feelings they experience. Where the uh, very briefly, do not be anxious, do not be afraid, is it's not a command. Some things can sound like a command, but commands have all kinds of different purposes. It's it's an, it's a, another version of the Lord saying. I am going to give you reasons to be less afraid hmm. because I am with you. You will not find in scripture, the Lord rebuking people for their anxiety. Hmm. You will inevitably find him comforting hmm. people in their anxiety. Wow. So that, so that's a good reason. Sometimes, sometimes we don't speak about the difficult things we experience because we don't think, we don't think, think we should have those Christian, the Christian emotional life should be just a little bit better than the majority of people, because we have Jesus. And so we should be a little bit happier than everybody else. And to be anything less than that is to somehow dishonor God and say he's less powerful. So that would be an example of fear. But let's just think of a couple other things. Um, here's here's what, so, so the Lord says to us, speak from your heart. And it seems as though he assumes that we are going to be timid. And so then he then he primes the pump for us. And he says things like this. Is, is it like this? Is it like this? Have you ever felt this? God, why have you forsaken me? You know, why have you left me? Why does it seem like you're sleeping in the midst of this? Why are you silent? Of all the times when I need you to speak, you're not speaking one word. Why is it that, that the people around me who have done wicked things, why are they prospering? And and my life is the one that is suffering, and on and on and on. Of course, uh, so so that's part of. I, I just find that when we use the Psalms in that way, it becomes not just sort of these nice historical pieces. They, they're, over and over, they're guidelines where the Lord says, at my dinner table, this is how we speak to each other. <laughs> you can talk about things that are really good. But more often, you're going to think about th things that are really, really hard. And, and you're going to ask me questions, the Lord says. Um, can I trust you? I'll just give one other example. Psalm 22. I, I, I just cited that. You're, where are you? You've forsaken me. You've utterly forsaken me. 
And then one of the stanzas go, I remember, I remember what you did for your people. Um, I can remember your mighty acts and your wonders. But what about me? <laughs> but you don't do that for me. Um, what does that mean? Uh, uh, I am a worm. I'm not even, I feel like I'm not even a human being where, so what does that mean? Am I excluded from these people? Am, am I the exception? Am I sort of the Cinderella in the sense that I, yeah, I'm sort of in the family, but I live in the basement and I have no rights and privileges that anybody else has. Um, those are the kinds of things that Lord says, go ahead, keep going. Tell me more. Tell me more yeah. of these things. So Heather, I think what you're, you're raising here, it, it's in some ways, it seems like this small little entryway into scripture, but it's much more than that. It's you're identifying not just an entrance, but you're identifying a surprising way that God does, does relationships in his house. Mm. Uh, it's, Contrary to what we might think, we we have some sense. I think that that silence is the way to go in God's mm -hmm. house. You know, he's He's holy, and you just keep your mouth shut. But I think the illustration is much closer to that of an Italian family. At least the Italian families that I've seen, where everybody's <laughs> talking and everybody seems to be excited about what they have to say. Love it. I love that picture too. So when it comes to these, you know, things that we struggle with, right? The common things we struggle with, like you said, anxiety, fear, you know, for my crowd, it probably also, you know, there's eating disorders mixed in there, maybe some depression, um, you know, and then the, you know, other diagnoses like bipolar, you know, maybe some PTSD, those kind of things that we're facing out there. Is it a both and? Do I need biblical counseling and I need to go see a psychiatrist? Can biblical counseling, biblical counseling help me in a, in a sufficient way there? Like what, you know, I know there's a lot of people listening that don't really know the difference. I mean, you, you know, you've articulated like the benefits of weaving scripture <laughs> and mm -hmm. into everything we struggle with. But, but when it, I, I talk to women all the time, they're like, well, the biblical counselor you know, isn't on my insurance plan. <laughs> so I'm yeah. just going to go to this person. And it's like, oh, the, well, I don't know how that's going to work out. <laughs> the question, what does God say mm. in the midst of our need? How does he care? And how are his words better than, deeper than, greater than anything we, we imagine? That's a non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. For a person who follows Jesus and knows Jesus and wants to know Jesus, that is non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. So the question is, where do we get those words? Well, um, you get somebody else. Do it with a do it with another human being. It could be a pastor. It could be a friend. It could be a professional counselor. The venue is not what is most important. It's the question is what is most important. Um, and wrestling with that question and having a trusted person who can help you with that question and search that question out with you and and, and help you with it and pray through it. So that's so it's not so much a biblical counselor or not. It, it's it's listening and hearing the words of Christ mm -hmm. to us that are sweet in the midst of it. Um, okay. The other thing you're saying is, are there is there other help that we need? We are embodied souls. We are people who live before Christ in a physical body, and and who would be some of the helps? Um, when I th when I think of a person who is who is wise and and experienced 
especially with women who are struggling with eating disorders. Uh, I used to make I used to make referrals to dietitians, and oftentimes their their first assignment was to eat this massive amount of calories that 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 no no woman would ever do such a thing. Mm-hmm. So how can it be a wise person who knows the particular person's struggle? What are the small steps? So I would think somebody like that would be useful. The issue there is not is it right or wrong. It's it's a matter of wisdom, and wisdom is 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 more. Would it be helpful? Or would it be unhelpful? It's you know that's that would be the question. Yeah. So yeah. so so in our in our desire for help, we um we have freedom to ask all kinds of people and read all kinds of things on the internet. Come one, come all. But but nothing's going to take us away from that core matter. Mm-hmm. And what is it that Jesus says to us? Mm-hmm. And how is that better? Yeah, that's good. That's good. I think it was Larry Crabb in one of his books said something along the lines of not everyone needs a counselor, but everyone needs a good friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. that struck me because I, I think there's a lot of us who don't have that good friend now. And, you know, yeah. And Heather, I is a professional counselor. As uh, um, I look at, at at counseling situations, I've been involved with people I've been able to walk with where they've done well, inevitably, I, I don't know if there's an exception there has been somebody who loved them and cared for them and was a friend uh, who prayed for them. Inevitably, that that kind of partnership with another person was mm-hmm. was was I think what pleased the Lord in caring for a particular person. Um, so so yeah, oftentimes I would like I would like to take credit for things that go well, but um, I I usually know better than that, <laughs> and I say that the Lord uses all kinds of people and. And distributes his grace and his care for people throughout the body of Christ. And it's a fine system, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> We're cogs in the great machine, right? <laughs> yep. uh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, you have a brand new resource, a new uh, a new Bible. I mean, it's not a new Bible. <laughs> it's, it's a new Bible in that it's being packaged like that, but it's a counseling Bible. Can you just mm-hmm. tell us all about that? The, uh, it's... How it came about is, is, um, is there, there were there was a gradual accumulation of really fine short articles within the biblical counseling field. People who were very thoughtful. People who had a good bit of experience. And those gradual they were they were gradually accumulating in different venues. New Growth Press, which is the partner for for uh, for Holman in this Bible, they were accumulating a lot of them. And I think that's that really became the occasion. So, so this particular, um, it's, it's not a version of the Bible. What would you call it? Um, uh, this particular um, um, uh, Bible with different helps. It has well over 150 different short articles inserted at at appropriate places throughout the Scripture that that move for, from anxiety which is which is scripture speaks about anxiety everywhere to bipolar to to the farther reaches of depression uh uh to body image to anorexia to bulimia it it extends to those places as well so as i picked up the bible i have to admit in the table of contents it identifies all the articles Okay. And sometimes I find I cheat rather than wait to find those articles as they appear in my normal Bible reading. I don't think I want to read that one over there. Uh, and 
and, and what I find is it's, it's 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 good for my soul in that I realize, wow, the Lord really does care for His people, and and He speaks in such a way that that it's not that all these problems go away, because we know in this world that we will have trouble. It's somehow He meets us in the midst of them. He gives us hope. He gives us confidence that He indeed He is with us. He forgives us our sins in a way that that becomes a pleasure to us. Um, and, and in 2 Corinthians 4.16, it gives an image. It talks about very significant weights of life, the tro- various troubles of life, but they become lightened. It's almost like a scale. The more, the, you know, it's as if the Lord puts more and more weight as a counterbalance to these, these overwhelming weights of life. And they're still there and they still hurt. But somehow they're not the only voice in our lives. They're counterbalanced by, by things that are glorious. That's, that's, a, I, that's been my sense of these articles, that they lead us in that direction. Fabulous. And I saw the list of the contributors. I mean, some great names on there. Elisa Fitzpatrick, uh, Paul Tripp, David Pallison. I, I don't know if there's any others. I think there's a whole list. But I, those are ones that I've quoted and referenced over the years on this show. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see it. Tell me. Is it, I'm blanking out right now. And the name of the Bible is the Biblical Counseling life, Bible? Or uh, life life, counseling? The Life Council Bible. Life, life Council Bible. Bible with New Growth Press. And when does it release? By, by the way, the, the, um, the version that it uses, the Christian Standard Version, is one that I, I'm not accustomed to as much. Okay. In my, in my denominational background, we use different versions. But it's curious. I think probably 20 years ago, I got a Psalms and Proverbs in that version. Okay. And my wife and I just really loved it because it was the, the languages, it was a bit different and, and very accessible. And so that became sort of a standard for us. And, and in our reading with our grandchildren and children, okay. that's what we would read because it seemed like they could understand that best. Okay. So it's, it, that's the version of the Bible. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very accessible one. I'm sorry. Right. I didn't quite answer your question. What was Which your is, question? When does it, when does it release? I assume it's released, and don't ask me where you can buy oh. it. I, I just <laughs> say Am- I just say Amazon. Amazon. Of I, I don't know. I'm sure it's <laughs> lots of different places. So. Wonderful, wonderful. We'll be sure to check that out. I know I'm anxious to check that out, and I'm not familiar with that version either. I mean, you know, it's not the extra spiritual version of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but. The, yeah the, the nice thing is, uh, I I I often find I have a version that our denomination tends to go to. But to read another version is really a pleasure because it slows us down. It's yeah. it's it's not like oh I know where this is going to go. I know the words. Oh what oh that, what what was that? That was a different little twist than I expected. It, uh, it sometimes it makes the scripture just a tad more lively for us. Absolutely, I agree. I love it. Well, Ed, thank you so much for your time today and for coming on the Compared to Show and sharing from your wisdom. Heather, I am sorry that I did all the talking. I would have liked to have asked you questions, but. <laughs> I, I certainly, I certainly did enjoy thinking about these things. So thank you very much. Wonderful. We'll do another show where you ask me the questions. How about that? <laughs> if you're serious, I'm going to hold you to it. Thanks so much, Ed. And thank you for watching or listening today. I hope something today has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye.
I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Mm-hmm.